Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effects on the markets. This podcast is for educational purposes and should not be taken as investment advice. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you're prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now onto the podcast. Hi everyone, my name is Henry Ward. I'm joined here with seasoned trader Jay Nemesis, who has six and a half years on our platform as a popular investor. Jay, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, um, I've been on this tour of uh, uh, almost seven years now. I trade mainly uh, tech stocks and a few few other equities uh, around that. Occasionally I dabble in uh, some of the ETFs and I trade cryptos as well. So the podcast has a very, very simple format. We talk about the three top financial stories that are in the news. Now, on the three topics for today is Match Group, Solar Edge, Ryanair, and we've added a fourth topic in here, which is Bitcoin. Why? Because Bitcoin has taken off over the last couple of days. How has your week of trading been? Yeah, the past week was busy, is probably how I'd describe it. Um, earnings all over the place. I think I probably listened to like 14 or 15 earnings calls and my head's just full of numbers but uh, for the most part they went pretty well the, the week closed down a little bit on Friday um, Friday was a bit of a down day but apart from that it was a good week yeah so you're um, someone who is a completely different trader to I am I'm someone who's technical listening to earnings reports listening to people talking about it is like watching paint dry to me <laughs> Uh, I, I love nothing more than uh, listening listening to the earnings calls. I think you can tell a lot by the the language that they use during the calls and how they answer some of the questions or or don't answer some of the questions, perhaps, as the case may be. So is it is it more about if they are asked a direct question or something or deflected or can you ask questions on the earnings calls? Well, most most companies don't really take uh, questions from from retail traders or, or even you know smaller funds. Um, it's pretty much just the big analysts and big banks that are asking the questions. But uh, it, it they normally ask pretty pointed questions, and you can you can see some interesting uh, interesting responses, especially if someone keeps pushing on a topic. Well, very good. This is this is all new to me. And who <laughs> who says you can learn anything every day? The first topic we're going to go through is Match Group, which is headquarters in. Dallas and it has dating websites. So you have Meets, you have OkCupid, you have Hinge, plenty of fish, and probably my favorite of all, Tinder. Okay, so Jay, have you been on any of these dating websites over the years? I've, uh, I think I've used two of them. I met my girlfriend on Tinder hilariously. So, oh, wow. <laughs> well, I, I can safely say I didn't meet my, my girlfriend on Tinder. One of the big things that has happened with the likes of lockdown is that people are sitting at home doing nothing. One of the things that has happened through lockdown is people have been sitting at home doing nothing. And with people sitting at home doing nothing, there's been a huge subscription drive on the likes of these dating websites. Now, we have seen as much as an 18% jump in their subscription services over the last year or since the start of lockdown. And this has been, this has been a huge uptake. Is this normal for the likes of these or when lockdown is finished and people go back to, go back to work that this will, this will drop off? Or is this the peak for Match? I mean, I think regardless of lockdown, dating websites and online dating is set to grow, right? I mean, we're living busier and busier lives, uh, in many cases, more and more insular and more and more online. 
So uh, even even if lockdown uh, you know stopped tomorrow, I think um, these are these interesting long term plays. I think uh, in terms of the the effects of lockdown. You know, we're heading into winter now, which is probably going to exacerbate the situation and make it worse again. Um, you know, we've had lots of talk about the second wave and we're, you know, halfway through August almost at this point. Um, so I think uh, I think realistically, we could probably expect to see this growth continue um, for, for a while longer with Match. Now, when you look deeper into what Match has actually done, we've seen that Tinder's revenue has leaped 15% year on year. Now that's a pretty that's a pretty big jump, and their their subscription, like I said, has jumped eighteen percent. That alone hasn't driven the growth as matches. Other brands have also risen nine percent throughout the year um, since two thousand sixteen, and they have. This is the first time since two thousand sixteen that they've had two consecutive quarters growth. So it, that's very very good news for Match. Do you see this continuing? for next quarter as well. I know you've said that you expect that lockdowns to continue. Is this good news for the likes of Match or will these subscription services all fall off a cliff? Uh, as, as I said, I think the subscription services will continue to do well. I think probably the broader concern with, with Match is um, maybe around their financials. I, I took a quick look actually before this call and notice that their debt is still climbing and and the amount of cash they have is actually really quite small in comparison so you know that there is that question of if things turn back to normal are they going to be able to you know continue to grow at the same sort of pace that they are currently you know um it's it's a difficult one. I think it's it's an interesting uh, company mainly because of the fact that it's got that monopoly. You know, like they they own so many of those dating websites. I can't even think of one that they don't own. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so I think maybe that's that's the thing that's really in their favour is that you know um, that they have so such a such a dominance in the marketplace that there's really no competition to to hurt them and and you know the market is there for the taking essentially. Yeah, you, you talked about their capital there, but if you look at what Match have done since 2019, they've returned a whopping 150 million plus to their shareholders in dividends and back pay and in buybacks. So that is, that is very, very good from, a, from an investor point of view. So why then are they not paying their debts off with the likes of that rather than giving it to shareholders? That's a good question. I think perhaps one of the reasons that we have seen the the long-term debt increasing recently is the fact that debt is cheaper than it's been in a very long time. Um, with the changes to, to interest rates and what's going on in the global economy, um, you know, there's 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 a pretty good case for refinancing and actually piling on more debt and investing in in R and D and um, you know, especially AI and things like that. I mean, Match has got quite a lot of problems with fake profiles and things like that you know that's if, if there's one thing that's really going to hinder their services i think it's probably going to be that but um yeah I, i'm i'm not too sure on what their strategy is with their debt to be honest um for me it still makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable um i'm, I'm pretty on the fence I, I fence i like the company so you you talk about their, their refinance, and I, I actually have a, a friend of mine who is a small business owner. She owns a bakery, and she was actually saying to me, with the government loans and stuff, she's going to apply for the government loan and actually pay off the debts or the outstanding loans she has 
because the, the APR on it is, is non-existent for the first, I think it was three years. So it means then that she's now paying less interest on that, but actually paying back a bigger amount on the money she has. So it's, it's in her best interest to potentially do the likes of that. The company has forecasted revenue of 600 million in the third quarter. Now, in the, in the last quarter, they had 55 million. So that is, that is a huge uptake in growth that they're looking to do. Do we see Match hitting that 600 million mark? And, and if they hit that 600 million mark, would that be a nice growth in their stock or would that be a huge jump in the stock? I mean, for me, that would, that would be a pretty big, big win for Match. Um, I mean, as I said, I, I think, you know, from personal experience, I feel like dating, dating websites is, has got to be something that's somewhat seasonal, right? Like when <laughs> people, people have been at home over the summer because of coronavirus, but people are at home even more in winter, um, especially if there's still coronavirus lacking around. So, you know, it seems plausible uh, that they could hit that. And, and if they do, I mean, you know... It's, it's looking good for them at that point. There's, yeah. there's no other way around it. It's, it's looking good for them at that point. You know, it, it feels like, uh, you know, working on, working on acquiring users is what they've been up to for the past few years. And, and they're finally at that point of really trying to actually monetize them um, and, and kind of get, get those returns going for investors. Yeah, so if they did hit that, that, that quarter or that figure of 600 million, that'd be the third consecutive quarter that'd be profitable. And that's, that has been a long time since they have hit that. On to the second topic, and the second topic is Solar Edge. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I know very, very little about Solar Edge. Now, you're you're the you're the expert on this one. It is basically solar panels that go on your house. It converts the energy, and you can use it in your house for your lighting, your heating, stuff like that. There, and if you have any excess, you can sell it back to the grid. Is that what Solar Edge is? Pretty much. Um, so Solar Edge produce quite a few different things, but the thing that they're, that is their big money maker is an inverter. And essentially the inverter's job is to take the, the power from the panels um, in an efficient way and convert it to be used within your house. And so the way, the way it used to work and Solar Edge's biggest innovation was um, you used to have these strings. So you'd have a row of solar panels and then you'd have an inverter on the end that would convert it. And what would happen is that if one of the solar panels was performing badly or broken or you know, uh, had some leaves on top of it or something, then it would limit all of the other panels in that row down to that low level. And so SolarEdge were the first company to come out with this kind of system that automatically regulated all of that and um, allowed every panel to work to its maximum performance. And that is what made them boom to the, to the level they are today. They make solar panels and things as well, but it's, it's really the inverters is where the core of their business is. We've seen their stock at the beginning of the year is at $101 and from the low of coronavirus at $67. Now at the present moment it's at $211, which is 110% from January, but it's it's nearly it's over 200% return on investment since the, the bottom of Corona. Do we do we think that this is the end of it? Do we think that this now has run out of steam? That it's this this is a huge return on investment in a stock over a very short short period of time. Well, I think um, one of the things I like to do actually is compare this to a sector that people may be a bit confused about when I first mention it, which is uh, electric vehicles, the likes of Neo and Tesla. You may be thinking that's a pretty weird comparison, Jay. Why are you doing that? Uh, the answer is. 
electric vehicles essentially um i have solar on my roof and the reason that i got it is because i'm getting an electric car and the amount of money that you save by charging your car at home using solar is really quite ridiculous um essentially you will have free free fuel for your car if you like throughout the entire summer of you know with with no questions asked and if you look at how long solar traditionally takes to pay back in like an, an average setup if you have no battery or anything else it takes like eight maybe nine years to pay for itself and then after that you you're into profit with solar panels if you add a battery onto that so you're storing power and then using it again overnight then that will reduce it by a further you know a further year or so if you then add an electric car into the mix you're you're removing another year so you're down to like five years for solar panels and a battery and an electric car all to essentially pay for itself with savings um i think that on top of that during coronavirus we're going to see a lot of governments push for a quote-unquote green recovery. Um, that could mean new subsidies, that could mean subsidies for electric vehicles, it could mean you know, a, a combination of things, all of which will benefit this sector. Um, so yeah, I think uh, there's actually still quite a lot to come, I think, from this, this sector. And I think uh, the, the people who are making inverters specifically, which is Enphase and SolarEdge, are the ones most likely to benefit because they're basically a duopoly. Wow. So I actually thought when you, were, when you started talking about solar panels on a car, I thought you were going to say that you actually put some solar panels on top of your car. <laughs> <laughs> so if we look a little bit into their earnings, the consensus on Wall Street is about $337 million. Do you see Solar's Edge actually hitting the, the consensus or do you see them hitting the top, or top tier of their, so the $350 million mark? Yeah, I mean, if if we look through their earnings um, previously, and we we look at you know how they've performed against their estimates, they beat most of the time. They did miss actually earlier this year in in March uh, quite significantly, but apart from that, they've they've always been either on target or above target for their earnings, um, pretty much. So. I'm I'm expecting to see more more of the same more of what happened in the previous quarter, which is you know uh, a good good result for investors. You know they they went up by something like ten or fifteen percent afterwards. And actually, if you look at the wider solar industry as well, um, Canadian Solar had record earnings. You had Zinyi Solar out of China had record earnings. Um, you know there's a, across the board these companies are doing surprisingly well at the moment in a sector that a lot of people thought might struggle during coronavirus. Solar's Edge has done particularly well over the last three or four years. They have generally hit their earnings estimates. I suppose the big question is, is Solar's Edge in your, in your portfolio or is it something that you're looking to get in on? Yeah, I've, I've been in and out of Solar Edge um, quite a lot over the past three or four years now. Um, and, you know, 2018 was a particularly tough year for them and, and for solar in general. But, yeah, I'm, I'm still holding around 3% of my portfolio in solar at the moment. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm, what I'm looking for really is the next good buying opportunity, the next dip in the markets. Um, and I think I will be increasing my exposure. So you say looking for an entry and it's in a dip in the market. What, what does a dip in the market look like? Is that just a, a one bar pullback and get in on a technical analysis? Or are you looking for something like coronavirus there and the market has dropped 20 to 30%? Well, what is a, a pullback opportunity? What's a buyback opportunity to you? 
Well, I think, um, you know, that's, that's kind of a tricky question, right? Because there is always that looming threat that we could see another substantial pullback in the markets, right? Like 15, 20% or so um, due to coronavirus. Realistically, I still think that's reasonably unlikely at the moment. So for me, you know, a, a down week or something like that would, would probably be enough. A, a weekly red candle would probably be enough for me to uh, start looking at uh, adding some exposure. That takes us nicely on to our third topic, which is Ryanair. Love it or hate it, Ryanair is one of these companies that um, has brought down the, the cost of flying across Europe. Obviously, I'm Irish and I, I love a bit of Ryanair back and forth to Ireland. I was actually looking to go back to Ireland next month and it's 50 quid to go back. So look at that going, that, that's, that's pretty all right. Some people, not, not a big fan of the likes of Ryanair. And I know yourself, you're not a, you're not a big lover of it. Why that? Um, well, I mean, the CEO, let's, uh, to, politely we can call him <laughs> divisive, I think. Um, <laughs> so, so there's that. I mean, I'm also, you know, I'm also an investor that's pretty conscious about environmental stuff. And I think uh, short haul flights are, you know, at, at that, those kind of prices are, are, are not great for the environment. So, so that's my reasoning. That being said, I can see, you know, I can see why people invest in these kind of companies. And I can also see why they're successful. You know, they enable people to travel around Europe um, at a budget you know, um, efficiently. And not only that, but they make a pretty tidy profit doing it. So uh, yeah, I, I, can see, I can see the merits of investing in it. But for, for me, it's the kind of company I would never touch unless it's a short <laughs> position. It's, it's like Michael O'Leary, love him or hate him. He's, he, spins, he, spins a good, he spins a good yarn, doesn't he, sometimes? What was it? What was it? One of the, one of the things he was going to put a, a standing, put in standing seats. Standing seats. <laughs> yeah. So you had, to, you had to stand up or, or what was it going to charge people for using the toilet now i i do think it's a, that that's all publicity but it it, it works and, and that is one of the things with the likes of ryanair but as we look at um the air industry as a as a whole we have had it's been absolutely one of the worst hits across the board and now to put this into perspective is that ryanair's q2 losses were 185 million now if you put this into contrast in the same time last year they actually had 243 million net profit so that that's that's a huge turnaround for the likes of for the likes of ryanair when we look at the market and we compare it to the likes of the easy jets of this world is EasyJet are now at literally at the low where they have been there, but Ryanair has actually gone up. What's why? Why is that? Or why is Ryanair a little bit stronger than any of the most of the other airlines out there at the moment? You know, it's it's really interesting comparing it with EasyJet because I look at EasyJet and compare it with Ryanair, and I think that EasyJet is the better buy. They have they have much more money on their books. They're the kind of company that could take advantage of the failure of other big airlines you know they're, they're the one that has the cash available to just go and buy out their struggling competitors um but i think probably the thing that's most in ryanair's favor that that i can think of at least is that they fly to the middle of nowhere <laughs> you know they 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 fly to those tiny airports that claim to be in a city but are realistically 50 kilometers away from said city um and you know that actually is a massive advantage when you think about it in terms of social distancing and coronavirus and, and operating right they don't have these huge fees they're paying to pay for their slots at big airports like Heathrow you know they're they're in fact actually the the main 
you know, the, the main thing keeping those small airports going. So the chances of those small airports turning around and trying to, you know, fleece, fleece some extra money from Ryanair who aren't, you know, flying very much at the moment is really low. Whereas if you look at especially the bigger airlines like British Airways and things, they're paying these extortionate fees to be in these massive airports to park up their planes and have runway slots. And in reality, they're not even using most of it. You know, so so I think that's the thing. You talk about money there. Is that Ryanair have come out and said that they have three point nine billion in cash spare ready if it if it's needed. Also, when you look into it a little bit better, that Ryanair have reduced their cost by eighty five percent over this period. Now that is a huge, huge cost saving. With that being said. Do you think there's a little bit of upside to come in the likes of the airline industry and the likes of Ryanair in particular? Well, again, I think, you know, the, the fact that they're operating these short haul flights in Europe, again, really works their advantage because probably people are still very wary about traveling um, and they're much more likely to travel to a country that is close by than to one far away for fear of potentially being stuck in said country you know if you're if you're from the uk and you've flown to france or you've flown flown to germany or sweden you're really not going to feel too bad about being stuck in those countries because the culture is similar and you know there are other ways of you getting back if you need to um and things like that so you know that that works in their favor another thing that's in their favor is that europe is responding to the coronavirus situation much better than the likes of the us or latin america you know all of these other regions in which they do not fly they're flying in a region that is actually handling the crisis generally speaking okay so again that's another thing working to their advantage you know if you compare them with something like spirit airlines ryanair are due to take delivery of its for 737 max boeing 200 aircraft which is for them is a game changer, which means it reduces the amount of fuel they're burning, 40% lower emissions, and then there's a 4% more seats for them. So now I know they are still waiting for Boeing to actually complete these because obviously Boeing has been hit quite hard and they have stopped productions of the likes of this. But once Ryanair take these delivery of the MAX 737, do you think that there is a little bit of upside for them or do you think it will just continue sideways treading the market at the minute till the actual general market has a, it's a turnaround itself yeah i mean i think those sorts of things aren't really what investors are looking at too much at the moment really it is about the broader travel industry as a whole um, and seeing if if that can recover more um so I, I'm not sure that it's going to play a big impact on, on share price uh, unless, unless we see, you know, the coronavirus situation kind of stabilize in one way or another before then. The, the topic of the week has been Bitcoin. Bitcoin has now poked its head above the 12,000 mark and it has just come back inside from the last time I looked at it. But it could be at 20,000 now, um, the way cryptos move. Um, but is this is this a level that you expected to break or is it something that we would expect a consolidation because at the 10,000 mark we had a consolidation of about of about what was it three and a half months we had a consolidation of at the 10,000 yeah. mark do we expect the same again or are we expecting either reaction to the up or the downside yeah i mean i'm expecting it to probably come down and retest that 10k level at least once right um it's 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 bizarre that it wouldn't do that um that being said you know 
we can't understate how massive that 10k level is if you open up a bitcoin chart and you draw a horizontal line across it at that <laughs> 10k level um and and you're on a you know a nice big uh time time span a weekly weekly candles or something you'll see that that that's been under that price for the good part of a year you know um so you can't understate how big this breakout is and i think if you actually you know if you look around the space uh, a bit more broadly you know things like squares uh, earnings they publish how much they've sold in bitcoin uh, in all of their earnings calls and it was absolutely mammoth this time i can't remember the figure off the top of my head but yeah. it was about we, four or five times what it was last quarter yeah we, we we covered them in our in our podcast there about three or four weeks ago and it was something that was that turned square from being uh, trading water to massively profitable company from from people trading the likes of the crypto yeah um so i think i think uh you know as i said you can't you can't under understate this move whether or not we're going to move higher you know in in the really near term i think there is a chance of a breakout if you're looking at a daily chart you know things look pretty bullish at the moment but who knows? It's Bitcoin, right? It works in mysterious ways. Uh, I would certainly, if, if you're someone that doesn't have any Bitcoin at the moment, I would certainly be considering getting at least a little bit of exposure and definitely watching that uh, 10, 10K level um, to, to pick up some, some more Bitcoins on the cheap. So if, um, if Bitcoin comes back to the 10K level, which is, is a massively technical area, so it comes retests back down to it, is that somewhere that you'd be looking to invest into it and, and looking at this to continue going up in the short term? Yeah, I, I would be buying at that level. I'm not sure if it would be such a so much a short term trade, but certainly, you know, I I think that 2021 is going to be Bitcoin's year where it really breaks out. You know, it takes a long time for the the impact of all this money printing to really kind of find find its way into crypto. Um, uh, but it but it will happen. You know, we've seen what's happened with the stock markets; they've recovered more than realistically they should have and i think that is a result of all of this money printing right that money needs to be spent somewhere and it's found its way into bond markets and it's found its way into uh into all sorts of things art dealing and like everything is going up um you know gold's going up silver's going up the, the whole lot everything's going up except bitcoin which is kind of actually treaded water it's gone up a bit but it, you know it had this recent breakout but i think that there's a lot more to come from it so would you expect bitcoin to hit the high of 2019 or would you expect it to continue going up to the high of um what was it 2018 which is 20,000 so which of those is the more realistic high well i think you know obviously you've, you've got to you know set your priorities right and, and kind of <laughs> set, set, set yourself some reasonable measurements um we're, we're gonna we're probably gonna stall out at 14k for a while which is where we stopped in in 2019 for a while that wouldn't surprise me for me you know that's a good place for taking some profit and kind of you know taking a step back and reanalyzing things and then you know deciding what you want to do for the rest of the year if it's if it's likely to break up one thing that is worth noting of course is that the higher you go the less you know the less resistance there is right um that there aren't those previous levels for people to kind of work off um so you're looking at things like uh fib extensions and stuff like that to try and find where where the ceiling is going to be so i think once we break past 14k it could move surprisingly quickly 
Now, obviously, Bitcoin is one of these things that works on supply and demand. And, and, and like you said, that 10K mark was massively huge. And I've, I've said it on my webinars. I've said it on the podcast that 10K markets, if it goes above it, then I'm bullish. If it breaks down past it, then I'll be bearish on it. Now, it has taken a long time for Bitcoin to recover. And we've seen a lot of people um, jumping in new to the market. We have a lot of, of legacy investors now finally jumping out and going, thank you very much. <laughs> I have now finally, finally broke even or, or made some money. Now, with that being said, uh, you're bullish on this now at the minute um, while it's above the 10K mark? Yeah, as, as long as it holds above 10K, I'm, I'm generally pretty bullish. Uh, as, as I said, you know, it could well come back down and, and retest that level. It would be kind of surprising if it didn't do that. But we've seen in the past how sometimes Bitcoin doesn't care about retesting levels. It will just keep going. Um, and, and if you take profit, you're the loser. Um, <laughs> until you're not. <laughs> until you're yeah. not. Now, one of the things that I like to do is take profit when I'm massively up on a trade. So once we're coming up to a level, say the 14,000 mark, which is the high of 2019, so up around that area, I'd potentially close my position by 50%. Okay, so this, we like you said, that once Bitcoin takes off, it generally goes. So this could theoretically easily hit the 20,000 mark. It could go up more. But as a technical trader, I will only ever see it going as far as 20. And then we'll see from there. But if this does run to 20, and I'm someone who would take profit halfway through and then let the rest of it run, how do you manage your trades if you're massively in profit? How would you um, bank in some profit and limit your downside? What do you do in that type of situations? I'm actually pretty similar to you. Um, you know, if I think when it gets to that 14K level, I, like you, will probably take a bit of money off the table, right? It doesn't hurt not to do that. Um, what's, but of course, what's that saying? You never go broke taking profit. Exactly, exactly. Um, at the same time, there's, a, there's another saying, right, which is let your winners run. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think you've got to kind of tread that fine line of, of keeping some money in there because, as, as we mentioned, when it goes, it goes. Um, and, and you don't want to be the person that's, that's sitting there with zero exposure. So yeah, I, I think that's the golden rule with Bitcoin, really, is, is to, you know, to always keep some exposure. Um, if, if you're bullish on, on the actual technology of Bitcoin and, and, and you think that it's a, a you know, has, has a place in the market and has value, then there's really no reason not to keep a little bit of in your portfolio. I mean, it's a bit like gold, right? Like there are, there are an awful lot of people that will just keep gold no matter what in their portfolio because they are long-term bullish on it. Um, and, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Taking some profit along the way, nothing wrong with doing that either. No, no nothing at all. Thanks, Jay, for coming in and helping us while Dylan is off on paternity leave. Where, where will people find you? How do, they, how do they search you? How do they find you? What's, what's your name, Manitaro, so on and so forth? Yeah, so obviously the best place to come and find me and find what I'm writing about, find what I'm trading is on eToro. My name on there is Jane Nemesis. Uh, you can search that. I also tweet quite a lot about my trading. So if you, if you really want to know what I'm doing every day, then Twitter's where you should probably go as well. 
So that takes us nicely on to my trading school, which I, we do on the podcast. We actually do education courses. I do my Tuesday webinars. Now, anyone who wants to jump in on any of those, you just go to the eToro Trading School or if you go to Henry Francis Ward on eToro, you can find me there either. But look, thank you for listening. Um, it's been our pleasure and hope you have a lovely day. You've been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, visit eToro.com.